Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, episode 45. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit. Of course, I'm with, as always, my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva from Tactical Manager TV. And to celebrate today's episode, we brought a very interesting guest, Daniel Smith. Thank you so much for coming on, Daniel. Hey, Pete. Hey, Tac. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Um, we're trying to bring more guests onto the podcast, particularly people who we know from Twitter, people who you know give good insight or have interesting opinions or even just disagree with us sometimes because discussion and debate and ideas are always good. And I think you know people have enjoyed on the podcast having different guests on and just getting their thoughts. It's a community, right? We're a community of fans who want to grow the game and you know everybody's opinion is worth something. And if not, it's like at least worth discussing ideas you know sort of like the bar or the coffee shop where soccer is discussed in most of the world this is our Pete, platform are we not gonna even mention that manchester united won the carabao cup not gonna talk we can about mention it. that if you want i mean i don't <laughs> care that much <laughs> I, I was happy for i mean we're looking much better in the ten hog era brazilians leading the club i'm excited for that's why i'm even wearing my manchester united jacket here which people probably can't see because it's a podcast for the most part but what, what, wait, 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 hold on. Daniel, what's your team in Europe? Manchester United. There you go. Yeah. There All right. Go. So we have I, two, uh, two Man U fans. I was, I was excited. It was the first trophy in six seasons. And um, I'm pretty sure it was six seasons. But, yeah, to see uh, Ten Hage um, doing that little dance with Anthony and Martinez <laughs> at the end, that was, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It looks like it looks like the the Man United glory. I wouldn't say glory days yet because we were Premier League contenders, Champions League contenders. But it looks like we're figuring out on track. We have a guy for a long term project. Have some good players, but this is not a English Premier League podcast. So I think if 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 you guys let us, I'll talk about if they allow me, I'll talk about Manchester United for way too long. So Pete, go back. To Maybe we can do a Man U special episode sometime. You know, for anybody who wants to pay attention to that. Yeah. Why don't we tell what we're doing today? Yeah, so today we are actually going to talk about, you know, the summer transfer window 
And we're going to talk about some players that we think might need a move away from their club, USMNT players, obviously. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go in order. So each of us is going to present one player and then we'll talk about, you know, they're going to make their case for why they need to leave, pause some possible destinations for them. And then we'll just keep going until we exhaust probably, you know, around 10 players. It looks like it looks like we'll have. So, Daniel, since you're the guest, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, my um, well, in random order, but the first player I'm going to bring up is Richie Ledesma. Um, <clears throat> so I the the thing is, I don't know what his level is now post ACL because I have not seen him play enough. Now I I do think that he's a good player. I like there's just no way of telling because his his manager, Rude Van Nisselrooy, doesn't play him. Even when I'm sitting there watching PSV, watch these 90 minute matches like the match against Groningen. They were up four nil and dominating possession was 80 to 20, but it felt like 95 to five. And if Ledesma is not going to get in that game, you know, like where are the minutes going to come from? And. Over the summer, you had rumors to uh, other Eredivisie clubs like Vitesse and uh, NEC and even some two Bundesliga clubs threw their hat in the ring because as like a why not. But Ledesma stayed maybe because of the condensed schedule before Qatar. They had Champions League qualifiers and all these matches in quick succession. Maybe they thought Ledesma could get in, but he hasn't. Van Nisselrooy has been his coach ever since he's been in Europe, the U19 level, John PSV, now PSV. And if there is a coach in Europe who knows Ledesma the most, it's Van Nisselrooy, and he's not playing him. So there's the New York City rumor that everyone's been seeing. Even local Eindhoven media says it's legit, and but they still don't know when it's going to happen. I, I would – like to see him go anywhere for playing time for just the reason to see him play, you know, 60, 70, 90 minutes consistently. So we can tell, is this even the same player? Cause I, I don't know. And he's 22 yeah. already. Yeah. He turns 23 in like July or September or somewhere around there. Yeah, so he's he's already in an age that you got to get playing time at this point. You're no longer a teenager. You're not an 18 year old. And again, PSV is very competitive too. But but Pete, sorry, uh, are you the next one? Yeah, no, I just wanted to talk a little bit about where he might go. Would you consider if he leaves in the summer, maybe a six month loan to an MLS club until the end of the season, perhaps back to RSL or another club in MLS? just for those regular minutes, or did you have another destination in mind? I agree with you, by the way. I think he should go. Um, probably those busy clubs that he was linked to over the summer, uh, Vitesse, NEC, really any, any, you know, when, um, when January 31st came and went, that's the first person I was disappointed for because the, it, it felt like, the, the need was there for 
uh, some Eredivisie teams to get like an attack minded midfielder among their ranks, not, you know, to roll the red carpet out for him and say, okay, here's all the playing time. But, you know, uh, when, who's it? Simons came over and now Goose Till, who are all these like tens slash false nines, and they can kind of play all these different positions. That was, that was bad because PSV are going to spend money and they don't, they don't like being behind IX for too long. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed for him. I think at this point we would probably take any decent level where he'll get good playing time though. You know, just at least for, even yeah. if it's alone for six months. So like you said, we can see what's his level post all of these injuries. It's, it's very possible that the injuries have impacted him. Um, Tack, you want to go next? Yeah, I'm going to go with a different player, obviously, uh, and different reasons, too. It's Johnny Cardoso from Internacional. Uh, he is getting minutes now. That's the thing. And I think he's he's sort of proven that he can play in Brazil, right? He's playing very well in that league, in the Brazilian league. Now he's playing for the the state tournament, the Gauchon. I, I, pers- I don't know if Daniel has been able to follow it. I don't follow the Gauchon. So I don't know how he's doing, but most of the clubs are very weak, right? They're third division, fourth division clubs in Brazil, outside of like Grêmio and Juventude. But I think what's happening with Johnny right now is he's looked very good, and Brazil is not a good development league, even though people might just like anyone that watches the Brazilian league knows for development, it's not good. It's very results driven. There's a lot of pressure from the fans. Sometimes it's very scrappy and poorly played. So they have a great academy system, and the players develop going abroad. And Johnny right now is turning 21, or he's 21 already. He does have offers from Europe. He got a European passport. That facilitates a lot. That opens a lot of doors in Europe. I think he needs to go. Go to a, I think he and, and I think he should go to a top-five league. Now, can he play for a team fighting for an Europa League spot, Champions League? Probably wouldn't start. Probably come off the bench. Who knows? I just think he needs a different challenge in a country where he can develop now. I don't think Brazil is the best one to keep the players for too long. It does hurt their development when they stay for too long. It's time for them to go. And we kind of need a six, so hopefully he can turn into something. There's there's a strong possibility that he'll sign with Real Betis. Uh, it's, the deal is like almost done, and he would head there during the summer. It was almost done in January, the deal with Real Betis, and he was going to stay on the loan. I don't know why it didn't happen in January, but it looks like in the summer he could be heading there and. That is a very competitive team if that happens. Yeah. Is there, if it doesn't work out with Real Betis, um, is La Liga the best place for him of the top five leagues in your opinion? He only had offers from the Serie A in La Liga, right? Right. Uh, Johnny's a very technical midfielder, right? He excels a lot in interceptions. He's good in the air. Uh, since he's not the most physical player, I guess La Liga, I know La Liga is, is a physical league too, like every competitive soccer league in the world. But I think, yeah, I think the Serie A and La Liga would probably be the best options. I wouldn't want him to go to Premier League right now. Uh, the Bundesliga, it kind of depends on the club. I think if you're a player that's good on the ball, like, look, the Johnny is Brazilian-American, but he was developed in Brazil. And the league that has had the most successful Brazilians, there's two of them. It's Italy and Spain throughout history, right? And still is, actually, to a certain extent. The Brazilians are just arriving now in the Premier League, right? They used to go all to Spain and all to Italy. So I would say those two leagues are the best. But, 
I think Pete and I, I want you guys probably will agree with this, and I wanted to say this: it's not really about the league itself; it's more about the club you land. I think that is a bit more important than the league. The league matters, obviously, because that's the competition you're going to face every week. But it's much more important the club you land instead of the league, because you can go also to the Eredivisie, like Richie Ledesma. The league might be perfect for him, but then you're going to PSV and you're never playing. Right? It has to be a situation where he goes to the club. And has a realistic shot on being a starter, right? And not Johnny going like I don't want Johnny to go to Real Madrid right now. <laughs> like you don't want it's La Liga, but he's not going to play. So, but I'm fine with those leagues, Serie A or La Liga. All right, uh, my one is next, and I'm going to bring up kind of an obvious one, and that is Christian Pulisic. Um, I think the Chelsea. Not experiment, because it's not fair to say that it was an experiment. He went there, he won trophies, he won the Champions League, he had a lot of good moments there, but it feels like the time is is up at Chelsea for him, uh, especially, you know, he already had competition for his spot before, was constantly struggling to earn the faith of the new manager, whoever it was, from Lampard to Tuchel, and then now Potter. And on top of that, they keep bringing in reinforcements. Mudrik is, you know, there now. Nkunku is coming in in the summer. It just feels like there's going to be way too much competition for him to get meaningful minutes, A. And B, it feels like Chelsea is a club without direction right now. Ever since Todd Bowley took over, it's been a disaster. The bizarre spending on players, overpaying for players, long contracts. It just feels like there's something weird going on at Chelsea. They can't manage to find a win against anybody. You're telling me Mudrik's not worth 100 million pounds? Not even close. (laughs) It's bizarre, right? I mean, there's so much about that club right now that just boggles the mind. What is Todd Bowley doing? How long is Graham Potter going to last? You know, if if they don't even make top 10, does Graham Potter stay another year? Are they just going to let him? You know, it feels like he doesn't have any control over this Chelsea team at all. They're not even... I mean, they're not even competing in games at times. And that's what feels so bizarre because the talent, even though they've spent poorly, the talent is there. But for Christian, it's just, we need, Christian is a streaky player. And Christian needs to be in an environment where he feels trusted and wanted. And I feel like sometimes when he's not in that environment, he almost tries a little too hard to prove himself. And then, you know, Christian Pulisic in flow is an amazing player, right? He can take players on when he's got momentum. You know, everything comes off for him when he's feeling himself. But for Pulisic to feel himself, I feel like he can't just be in and out of the lineup 20 minutes here, you know, two games out, coming now. And and so as far as places to go, I know there's been a lot of different rumors with other Premier League clubs. And you guys can chime in with your thoughts. I would kind of like him to leave the Premier League. I think with his injuries and getting hit so much in games, I wonder if the Serie A might be a better spot for him. Like if, you know, he goes to AC Milan, for example, that's a possibility. Juve I was a bigger fan of before, not so much recently with their whole struggles. There was rumors about Real Madrid. You know, I don't think he's going to play that much at Real Madrid, so I wouldn't be a big fan of that. I would honestly be fine even if he went back to Dortmund or, or Bayern Munich. Um, everywhere that he goes of those top clubs, he might not be an automatic starter. And I'm okay with that. I'm just not okay with, you know, competing with seven other players for, you know, limited minutes. And I think if he has to drop down and go to a Newcastle or something like that, I mean, I'd take it rather than staying at Chelsea at this point. Newcastle. I'd rather you go to a, sorry. I said Newcastle's ahead of Chelsea. 
Yes, but it's still considered a drop down, even if they make the Champions League. I mean, I guess if they, you know, qualify for the Champions League, it won't be a drop down for sure. They're but also going to sign a lot of players. Uh, they're going to yeah, keep that's investing. their side of that coin. But I would rather he go to another Champions League club outside the Premier League, whether that's Bayern or Milan. I think those would be my first two choices. What, what you before think? I want to hear what Daniel has to say, but just from you, and then I want to hear the same from Daniel too. Rumors aside, forget the rumors. If you could pick one club right now, which one would it be? If Leao leaves Milan this summer, I would want him to go there to replace Leao. Milan, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Milan's Milan's a good shout. Um, oh, man, if I could pick one club. Probably, I don't know, the those Atletico Madrid rumors were interesting. Um, that, you know, Puli and La Liga would be would be interesting to see. I just I just want him to go to a place where the manager situation is not so volatile. Cuz, you know, go go to some place where you you are going to have the same manager for 3 seasons. You know, unless some just huge disaster happens or whatever because the the Chelsea ever since Roman Abramovich took over Chelsea, the manager situation is it's a volatile situation and you know, wants to bring in his boys or this guy wants to sign these players. And I don't have any need for these players that are already at the club. And it's, it's tough. Um, so just someplace where it's a good established manager. I would kind of want him just to uh, personally, I would want him to go to Dortmund. I think it's a, it's a place where he's going to play champions league. He's going to play in the Bundesliga. The league is less physical than the Premier League. There's less games, right? There's only 18 clubs in the Bundesliga. There's less games. And I I know you said he might not arrive and be a starter right away, but I, I do envision him being a locked-in starter for Dortmund if he's healthy, right? If he stays healthy long enough, I do envision that. So I think career-wise, we don't need Christian Pulisic to be the best winger in the world. We don't need him to go to Real Madrid, compete with Vinicius. We need him to play consistently for a good club against good competition. I think Dortmund would be, and he knows the city, right? The fans there know him. They like him. He knows the country. I think that would be my perfect scenario, even though Milan does sound very charming just because it's Milan. Maybe very young viewers don't remember how great AC Milan was. Uh, like truly, they, they were the. there was a point where they were the biggest club in the world for a couple of years. Uh, so it would be charming to go there, but I think my ideal one would be just have Pulisic head back to Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. Him and Reyna playing together, or him playing and Reyna on the bench, <laughs> not getting minutes. <laughs> Whatever work. At least one American playing that works for me. I know. <laughs> All right, Daniel, who's your next one? All right, so my next one would be Cameron Carter Vickers. Oh, he was on mine. We all had that one. Cool. This will be a good discussion. So it's, he, you know, they won the double last year with, you know, Celtic won the double last year. They won the Scottish cup of what yesterday. Yeah. They're going to win the league. League cup. The league League cup. Cup. Right, 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 right. They're going to win the league this year. Um, It's almost at the point where like, what is there left for him to prove at, at Celtic? Um, you know, for, for what felt like about four or five summers, there was always a Cameron Carter Vickers to a premier league club 
loan or transfer rumor from when he was under contract at Tottenham. Those things never happened. He went to the championship, which for a young center back, getting a lot of minutes in the championship is not a bad thing at all. But this, you know, is what felt like every summer there was a Premier League club linked with him. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Or if it was maybe an agent plant to get Cameron's name out there, you know, those happen. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not making accusations here. But I think after, when this Scottish League season is over, it's it's time for him to go to the Premier League. And what club that is, well, Anybody who's willing to take him, I think it's time for him to step up to a top five league. So do you specifically want him in the Premier League or just a top five league? Uh, I think I'd say Premier League uh, just for he came up in England. It, it would give him a level of comfort. I think I think going to, you know, La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, probably it would take a little more time to adjust. We've seen those adjustment periods for players going to countries where they don't aren't particularly fluent in the language. So I would say Premier League. Yeah, there's there's an interesting possible scenario where Ange Postacoglu, Celtics Australian coach, who's very highly regarded right now because of his very good attacking fluid possession soccer, has been linked to Premier League jobs. And maybe in the summer he goes, I've done everything I can do here at Celtic. It's time to move on. And he gets an Aston Villa or, or well, maybe not Villa, but a, a lower Premier League job, somebody who needs a job and he brings Cameron Carter-Vickers with him. My only question is the Premier League is the toughest league in the world to play in right now, in my opinion. And it's a big jump from the Scottish League. Like it's, yeah. it's easy to look good for Celtic, right? Against Scottish opposition because everyone in that league, that's just a big gap you know, mm -hmm. except for Rangers, but even Rangers, I feel like there's a significant gap still. Is he ready for the Premier League or would it be better for him to go to the Bundesliga or Ligue 1 first and sort of bridge that gap? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe he is ready for the Premier League and we find out. I just think it is a big jump. And I know everyone will say, well, uh, Virgil van Dijk, but I think he was the exception rather than the rule, you know? Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love when people do that. I love when they go and they want to make a point and they get like this world class generational talents like, oh, but Virgil van Dijk did it or or what we talk about Groningen and then they go, yeah, they developed Luis Suarez or, or he played there. It's like, guys, listen, you can't pick like an anomaly, a player that's generational and just say, see, our players doing the same paths like, no, that guy is just like, no matter where he played, he would have just become fantastic. That's how good he is. Yeah. But to everyone's point, I, I actually would want him in the Premier League too. I think he knows the league by now too. He's been involved in the championship. Played for Burnmouth, right? In the EFL. Almost got promoted. Or got promoted? No, almost got promoted. promoted. Almost. Almost, yeah. yeah. Almost. So he knows it well enough. He was around Tottenham for preseason a few times, right? More than once, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I think he should go for a challenge. Also, when you're playing for Celtic, he's not heavily tested in terms of defending in that league, right, as much as he should be. He definitely plays a lot on the ball, and that has improved a lot his game, and he's caught in transition quite a bit, so he's used to that. But if he moves to the Premier League, there are higher odds that he will move more towards a mid-table slash relegation battle team rather than a top-10 team. That's if he, if he is to get minutes. 
With that said, he'll be doing a lot more defending. So even if he struggles, I think that's the best thing for his, even for his development and making the next jump. He's 24, I'm going to say, or 25. He's not that young, not that old. I, I would just try the Premier League right away as a center back right there, go for the challenge. And it's kind of like what Daniel said. It's reached the point in Scotland where he's won everything. He's arguably the best center back in the league. At least that's what many fans have been rating him. I don't watch uh, all the Scottish teams. I watch Celtic when I can and Rangers when I can. But uh, he is better than the center backs at Rangers. He is the best center back at Celtic. So he's probably the best center back in the league. It's probably time to head back to England to a next shot. And, and again, let's put it this way. He's been successful in the second division of England. He's been successful in Scotland. Above that in the United Kingdom is the Premier League. So maybe give it a yeah. shot. The one, the one thing that might be an issue is he's been at Celtic for two years. The first year he was there on loan. And then they paid $10 million for him just last summer. So if they're going to let him go this summer, I think somebody would have to at least double that fee. You know, um, and I don't know how many Premier League. Know. Huh? Nottingham Forest, Leeds, they're all pouring in 20, 30 million for players. But would they spend that on a CCV is the question, on an untested center back. Good question. Relatively untested, yes. right? That's the question. Because for that, mm -hmm. you could maybe get a Portuguese league center back for that price. You know what I mean? Maybe in a scenario like you just mentioned, if his coach goes there and he's like, I know this guy, I want this guy. He yeah. was Mike. He's the captain for, for Celtic, right? I know he Sometimes has been, he but I don't think he's the captain. I think he's yeah. a rotational captain. Okay, so rotational captain. It, it could be a scenario where the the coach requires that. I can see yeah. that, and then he I comes think Ange would have to vouch for him for sure. Yeah, or maybe a coach that he's worked before, maybe with Burnmouth or something like that. I can see, yeah. but Burnmouth probably would not pay what you just said, though. No, for no. Him. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't that year, right? They had the option. They didn't pay. Yeah. Right. Um, Tack, you're up next. Uh, before I go, can I put a quick word from our sponsor so we can move on from that and focus on the players? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring the podcast here. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. It's very odd because we're talking about the summer and their ad is about the summer too. You can feel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, Right now on DraftKings Sportsbook, is they're giving new customers risk-free bets up to $1,000. That is risk-free bets up to $1,000. All you have to do is download DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the promo code TBPN. That is TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's the promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. And thank you very much, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you, everyone, very much. So my next player, right, Pete? My next player, and let me try to put one that you guys might – actually, you guys might have this one. I'm going to say Tim Weah. I think you, one of you might have Tim Weah. And, again, it's not a player that has any playing time issue, and it's not like Carter Vickers. He hasn't been dominant in France. I don't know where I want Tim Weah to go. You don't even ask me. I don't know which league. I don't. I didn't even think about that. All I know is right now he's playing, but he's playing at a position that, sure, you put away as a fullback, left back. Good players can play in multiple positions and do just fine. But he's not a fullback, right? That's not really his position. And I don't think it's where you get the best out of him. Leo is playing out of necessity, and because he is performing well, to my surprise, he is performing well. 
as a left back. He's very aggressive defensively. It works. But yeah, I think but he also, to, go- to be fair, even as a left back, like if you watch the games or look at the heat maps, he's almost playing left wing. He spends most of his time in the attacking half. Yeah, he pushes high up the field in possession, but he is dropping very deep to defend. Yeah, right? no, he does yeah. get back. So, he, get back. so he, he is having a lot of defensive responsibilities, which take a bit of a, your, you know, if you're running up and down so much, you're not going to be as effective going forward. So I think he just has to go somewhere where he's a, one, he's a consistent starter, because I'm pretty sure Leo, if he stays, they're going to probably sign a left back to be a left back. Somewhere that he's a consistent starter and that he plays on the wing up top or maybe even as a second striker. I think that's what he has to do. It, I, he's been fine for Lille. It just seems like it's been very underwhelming. You need to go somewhere for an extra step for, to take that step forward. And at least from my perspective, and I think Weya kind of wants that. There's a bit of that impression, despite his recent interview saying he enjoys left back. I mean, what else is he going to say? That he hates it? He's gonna, he wants to play. But th- that's my take on Weya. How about a team that wants to use him as a off-the-shoulder center forward? <laughs> What do you mean, like a like a? Well, so he's not your classic. He wouldn't like if he played as a nine. He wouldn't be your classic hold up striker, right? Like a Josh Sargent, Mm -hmm. where you know playing with his back to goal, you know dropping real deep. He would be more a stretch the back line poacher type. He can still drop deep to combine or like shift wide to combine because he's quite good in combination. But I kind of want to see for the national team's sake at least an attempt to see what he looks like as a different type of nine, not because he should start as our nine necessarily, but just what do we look like with something a little different? Because when it comes to movement in and around the box, he's very good. The timing of his runs is very good. His finishing is generally quite good when you present him a chance. I just, I'd like to see it tried at some point and maybe not with his club, you know, maybe for the national team, but if a club comes in and says, we kind of think you could be a nine for us, I would like to see it. And I don't know what club would want. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a club like you that I think would, would want Wea as a nine, but I'd like I to hope, see him try. I hope Daniel has a club for Wea here. Otherwise, Wea might just be unemployed this podcast. <laughs> um, I don't, Yeah, it's just who, what what club needs him, you know, like what club needs needs an attacker who could probably play a few different positions. A, you don't want to like pigeonhole him as a utility player, but – you know, to Lil, it looks like that's what he's become. And yeah. so I I don't know. Watch Chelsea signs him for a hundred million and gives him an eight year deal. <laughs> I mean, at, at this point, at this point, who knows anymore? I don't know if Jesse Marsh was still at Leeds. I could even think Leeds would sign him. He, he's even probably better than Jack Harrison, in my opinion. So, but yeah, uh, anyhow, next one, Pete, yours. Yeah. Next up, I have Eunice Musa and. I think it's time for Yunus Musa to move on, not only because I think Valencia as a club lacks direction, whether they get relegated or not. I mean, if they get relegated 110%, he needs to leave. But even if they manage to avoid relegation, which they may, we'll see, I just don't think that Yunus Musa is being pushed at Valencia right now. And he started every game for them that he's been available for. And yet it feels like it's been almost two years now that he's been a starter at Valencia to break in at age 18 and become a starter for them and then remain a starter for these two years is a good thing in some ways because it shows how highly they rate him. But also I feel like his game is not, I want to be careful how I say this. I don't think he is reaching the full potential that we know he's capable of. There's a lot of talent with Yunus Musa, but he feels very passive. 
right? And and oftentimes he he makes the safe option. He isn't always uh, taking over a game the way you would want him to. His movement into space is sometimes just a step too late. And it just feels like he isn't really being pushed. I feel like in an environment with more competition in that position, he would be benched for some of these performances. And then he would have to work harder to get back into the starting lineup, almost the way that Luca De La Torre has had to work really hard just to get meaningful minutes for Celta Vigo. That's kind of what I want for Yunus Musa. And some players need that, you know? Um, and I think that Yunus Musa could benefit from a move to the Premier League. And I, I know it's a step up from La Liga in some ways. And, you know, I wouldn't have him go to a top four or even talk top six team, but I would want him to go to a team that, you know, has good competition in midfield and that will use him there but he won't be a guaranteed lock-in starter week in, week out, regardless of how he performs. And he is English, so I think he'd be comfortable in the Premier League. But I'd also take, you know, I don't know, maybe a Leipzig, or I don't know if he really fits the Leipzig style of play. Um, Dortmund seems like a stretch right now, but I'd say a mid-table Premier League team could be quite interesting for Yunus Musa. Does he have the mentality for that? If he doesn't, we'd find out real quick. <laughs> I'll tell you why. And I want to I want to just, you know, get both of your takes on this. So Yunus Musa could have stayed with Arsenal, right? He could have played for Arsenal or stayed there. Would he have played? Who knows? And he picked Valencia over Arsenal. To me, there's a lot that can go into that decision in terms of development and everything. But it is technically the easier path, right? It's like you can go here and fight with our, like Balogun getting loans, but like trying to get back into Arsenal, right? Tried to play, didn't work, got a loan, went to France. And he's going to go back and maybe try again to fight for a spot with Arsenal. Yunus Musa picked the United States over England, right? I understand a lot of it was also he talked about fan support, Greg Berhalter's recruiting. But... England is also the tougher path, if we're being completely honest, right? So whether or not that influences decision, who am I to judge? But it is the easier. So there's two decisions that he's made throughout his career that do lean more towards the easier path, the more comfortable one, right? Where he has less competition. So it's the complete opposite of what you want for him. So would he mentally be ready for that? Is that something that is in his personality or he's more the player that you talked about? Like he has been overly passive for Valencia. You watch the games. It kind of looks like sometimes he doesn't really want the ball. He doesn't want to be involved in the game. Just wants to be there. Right. So I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I would like to see a move even so he can kind of shut my mouth of what I just said. Just say, no, I'm here to fight for a, a starting job in the best best teams in the world. I'm comfortable with it. But I do have some question marks in regards to that. Is he that player? And I think the only way for him to prove it is to actually make a move and take a challenge. The talent is there. So in terms of talent, he can do that. Now, there's parts, aspects of the game that's all here, mentality. That's what he has to probably prove. Yeah, I do think um, for Musa, as far as going to Valencia, it was probably just a a quicker path to first team minutes. He probably just saw a years long log jam and he just said, you know, I'm out. I, he mentioned something about some coach at Valencia was really high on him and like talked to him about a path within a year or something like that. I don't want to like get too into it because I don't remember exactly, but uh, yeah, if, if Valencia get relegated, he he has to go. He's obviously going to go. Um, I remember 
like in the late 2000s, there was this guy who ran this blog like Loco for Los Che. And uh, it's it's shut down a, a long time ago. But he, you know, he was complaining about the slow decline of Valencia even then. And if they get relegated this season, it, it's it's been like a 15 year long, like just really slow decline and it sucks that Musa's being linked to that but like you guys said is 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 not wanting the ball being coached to him is like hey just stay back and just like let these other players uh who's that younger midfielder Moriba Moriba Moriba, Moriba. yeah it's like let let Moriba get the ball and you just kind of hang back in case anything bad happens or something who who knows but yeah I'd want to see him go to a place where he's way more active and trying to get the ball. Yeah, hundred percent. I guess we'll see what happens. All right. I think we have time for another round. Daniel, you want to go up? Yeah. Uh, I will choose Ricardo Pepe. You don't want him in uh, Augsburg? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, his, his, Eredivisie numbers are very good on a very bad team. Um, I was looking at Ajax, and, you know, this is me shooting for the stars here, but I was looking at Ajax, and it's very interesting. Now, Ajax can go get a lot of players they want, especially center forward, but a lot of times they're playing Tadic as a false nine, and he's – 34 he's about to turn 35 i think and they're bringing in um brian broby off the bench a lot now maybe he'll be the starter next year maybe he'll leave again because he already left he left for leipzig um who was the coach before marsh at it was nagelsman nagelsman yeah so broby signed with leipzig to work with him and then when he left and Jesse Marsh was coming in, he wanted his contract canceled. And so he <laughs> left like Ajax. Yeah. He left Ajax and then he went back. He might leave again. So there would be a spot for Pepe at Ajax if Ajax wanted to go through that. Now, having said that, you know, Ajax can get a lot of center forwards they want. Um, other teams in the Eredivisie, if he goes – if there is a transfer Twente, uh, a more defensive, hard-nosed team. They've had a rough, they've had a rough month. Um, they've lost games they probably should have won. But Ricky Van Wolfswinkel, he's thirty-three or thirty-four. Um, he Pepe has shown he can do the defensive work in Groningen because he he has to. You know, I think he's fourth on the team in interceptions. Um, so. Yeah, uh, or somewhere in the Bundesliga, somewhere not Augsburg. Um, side note, when I saw Pepe was going to Augsburg, I was just scrolling through um, FB Ref and just to see, and I saw Augsburg had the least amount of touches in the 18. Went, like as soon as that transfer was announced, I was just randomly looking at, and I saw that and I said, oh, no. But, yeah, uh, Ricardo Pepe, higher up the Eredivisie table, I think it's a league he can have success at, get the get the goal-scoring confidence and keep the goal-scoring confidence. 
because if I go back a generation, when was Josie Altador at his best for the national team? When he was scoring weekly, when he was getting those weekly reps in front of goal with an Alkmaar and, you know, strikers confidence is a big thing. I think you keep him in a league that he knows that he can be really good at even on bad teams will help him mentally, at least for the next two seasons or so. Yeah. I was just going to say he is young enough having just turned 20 to spend the next two years in the Dutch league and then move somewhere at 22, which is still very young. Yeah, You know, I think we forget because Pepe's been around with the national team as long as he has, I think we forget how young he really is. Like he's still U20 eligible, right? If you yeah. compare him to the Paxson Aronsons and the Caden Clarks and the, you know, Alejandro Alvarado's of the world, he's definitely far and ahead of any of our under 20 players. Right. So, you know, and the, you could also compare him to, you know, Musa and Gio who are three months older than him, but you know what I'm saying? He's still yeah. so young that there's plenty of time. People wanted wanting to give up on Pepe after a rough six months at Augsburg are out of their minds, in my opinion, because he's 20 years old, you know? Also one, one problem there is, is Augsburg because they pay $20 million for him. Yeah. Right? yeah. Now the question is, are they willing to loan him one more season, maybe to get his value up a bit more? Are they going to, if they try to sell him, they're probably going to want at least 20 million to get back their investment. Some of the clubs in the Eredivisie, I think pretty much every club in the Eredivisie outside of like PSV and Ajax are probably not willing to pay that for Pep. No, they don't. um, They they're really. uh, I think the what am I trying to say here? The Netherlands is the only country that stopped having fans come in twice. Um, There was uh, the COVID shutdown, but then the Netherlands had a second COVID shutdown. And they banned fans again for another relatively long period of time. And clubs, some clubs um, are still hurting financially from that. So that is true. The non-IAX and PSV, um, non-IAX PSV clubs still might be hurting for money. Uh, Alkmaar got a big sponsor over the summer. That's why they paid $6 million for Georgie uh, because – they had a big sponsor who was willing to help them splash some cash. But yeah, other than that, there's not much m- money for big time transfers into the Eredivisie. So if it's not Ajax in the Eredivisie, it'll have to be another loan. And if it's in yeah. the Bundesliga, they're also not willing. Most clubs, they're not willing to pay a lot. Remember Josh Sargent, uh, the whole thing, like no club in the Bundesliga wanted to pay 11 million. Uh, they wanted to offer less, and then I think Norwich came up and paid eleven or thirteen million, whatever, and took Josh Sargent. So it's a tricky one for for Pepe in regards to that because we we don't want him back in Augsburg. I'm assuming he doesn't want to go back to Augsburg. But what or if Augsburg gonna... says, "Hey, we need goals. You're staying here next season." <laughs> well, then he doesn't have an option. But I, yeah, I think that is stuff. not yet. He doesn't have a say on that, does he? I'm not really. That. He signed the contract, but I mean, I would prefer not. I also don't want to have to watch Augsburg. It was, it was one of the worst weeks of my life, <laughs> having to watch Augsburg in the Bundesliga. But, but, but nevertheless, yeah, that that it's a tricky one with him. It's a tricky one. They're going to be willing. Maybe they're willing to loan him another season to sell him for a lot to a better club. But 
We'll see. And then USMNT fans, some of them are going to mention how Luis Suarez played for Groningen, of course. That's always <laughs> mentioned. Always mentioned. Pete, do you want me to give you my player? Yep, you're up. Let me see, because I had, I did have some of the same players, but I'm going to go with this one here. And it's it's quite obvious because right now he plays for Milan and he's going to leave Milan. That's Sergio Dest. He's not going to stay. They already said they're not going to pay his fee. And Dest has been fairly disappointing the past two, three seasons, right? So when Ronald Koeman signed him for Barcelona, he played him quite a bit and he looked fine, right? There were there were issues with his game, but the way you were look, we were looking at it, he's just arrived in Barcelona. The impression we're getting right now is good. As long as there's progress, this is good. And there hasn't been any progress. If anything, it looks even a bit worse at times, uh, Serginho Dest, not for the national team at the club level, right? And maybe what Dest needs right now is to literally take a step back. Stop. No Ajax, no Barcelona, no Milan. Go to a mid-table team. Don't even need to have Champions League or Europa League. Mid-table team where he's a locked-in starter, consistently plays, matures. He definitely needs to mature a little bit, right? A lot of the issues with him are like silly mistakes that he makes. Doesn't look focused. Looks like not a serious player at times. So I think it's more that because I don't think he needs to improve much from a technical standpoint. He's extremely technical, extremely talented. But you see like some lapses where he just kind of like tunes out of the game out of nowhere or just falls asleep. And a player that made a big jump like that was A-Rob from one season to another. A-Rob was like that. And then he played last last season with Fulham in the second division of England. And when he came back to the Premier League this season, A-Rob looks like a different player. So maybe Dest needs that. Go to a club where he just plays every single game, right? Stay healthy, focused, and get better. The talent is there, but Sergino Dest has been an extremely big disappointment the past two seasons. Yeah, I think what's most worrying for me about Dest is obviously the defensive side of his game is the big weakness, but it's not so much that he can't, it's that he won't. Because we all saw him at the World Cup where, okay, outside of that one mistake against, you know, the Netherlands, he was very good defensively. He tracked back. He did his job. It was like, this is the desk that we know what he's capable of. But for whatever reason, it does seem like you said, the mental lapses, it almost feels like a lack of effort at time. I mean, his last game against Milan, I don't remember who it was against, but I think he was culpable on like three goals just not tracking his man into the box or doing so very lackadaisically and ending up on the wrong side of them as the cross was played in. And it's just like, what are you doing? And I think, honestly, Serginho Dest needs to have a come-to-Jesus moment, you know, where it's like, okay, you're talented and you've been talked up for the last three years, but ultimately, if you don't get your head down and knuckle under and really focus on what we know you can be on the defensive side of your game, then you're just going to wash out at some point. Like you might just end up in a second division somewhere because you only get so much leeway as a young player, right? It's like, okay, we see talent, we see potential, you know, let's develop it. But then if you don't show any signs of wanting to improve, if you don't show hunger, then eventually what's going to happen? You're just going to get passed over by teams. And, and it might be too late by the time you're 25, 26, you look around you and you go, what have I done? Why am I playing for... I don't know, Groningen, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's very possible. And he's a talented kid, but like you said, he has to mature and he has Remember to when they sent him, Pete, uh, what's the name? Remember when they sent him to the, the dungeons of Camp New? 
he was like had like they he put a picture on Instagram that there was like two dumbbells and like a soccer ball and it was like the basement of Camp New. No one knew where he was. It's like right before the AC Milan transfer. Yeah. Uh, someone uh someone I was talking to someone about Des the other day and they said something like he's he's um lived a pretty long life off of being part of the Ajax Academy. Um because like you guys said, he is as technical as any player out there for any American player out there. Um, you you look up when he played for Ajax, um, a lot of those minutes, not all of them, but a lot of those minutes came from when uh, Masraoui was injured and they mm-hmm. just gave Des the minutes. Those minutes could have gone to someone else, but they gave them to Des, which was good. But then uh, when he was leaving Ajax, it was what, Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Those were the two clubs he was deciding on. Then he didn't work out at Barcelona. Ultimately, he got a new manager, didn't rate him for whatever reason. Then he went to AC Milan. These He's going to these like these clubs seen as the elite of the elite. And like you said, Pete, he probably just needs to go to like Sevilla. Yeah, because they're they're you know what fourteenth or something like that right now. Or he needs to go to you know like Spezia Augsburg. or something. Augsburg, right? No, <laughs> but, no, not Augsburg. Please, not Augsburg. <laughs> but just somewhere where he will start weekly and he will not be on a team that dominates the ball in ninety percent of their league matches. He won't be on a team where if he has a defensive lapse, it won't matter because they're, his team is going to get 30 shots a game. He needs to go where you know he does need to f- take care of those mental lapses, and I don't think any of these clubs he's been at previously or now are going to help him with that. Yeah. All right, last one is mine, and I'm going to go with one that maybe some people might not have expected, and that's Matt Turner. Um. I've enjoyed watching Matt Turner at Arsenal this year. It was his first year there. He's been their number two. They've given him League Cup minutes. They've given him FA Cup minutes and Europa League minutes. So overall, it's been a fairly successful first year for Matt Turner. And you can see that Matt Turner is serious about, I mean, he's a serious guy, right? He left New England where he was very comfortable to go play for Arsenal because he said, to, to be the, the number one on the national team, I need to be pushing myself at the best possible level that I can. I also need to be playing with my feet, and we don't do that in New England. And he recognized that that was a big part of his game that needed to improve. And you see it already. You've seen, I've seen improvements in his game technically playing out of the back. It's still not perfect. He's probably never going to be Ederson, but he's developing technical competence with his decision-making. You see it at Arsenal. My concern is that next year, Arsenal will be in the Champions League. And I don't think they're going to give Matt Turner the Champions League. The Europa League is kind of easy. It's, you know, okay, it's it's a second-tier competition. Are they really going to tell Aaron Ramsdale, you get benched for Turner, you know, while we give him the Champions League minutes? No, which means we'll only have League Cup and FA Cup minutes. And Matt Turner's 28 now. He's not 22 or 25. He's at a place where I think he could be a starter for a Premier League club. He showed at the World Cup. He showed that reliability under pressure, right, in a really tough environment to play in, that he could be a very, very good goalkeeper. 
And for Arsenal, they might not sell him right away this year. Maybe they will if somebody comes up with a good offer, but he could play for an Everton, right? You know, maybe uh, the Argentine goalkeeper. Uh, what's his name again? I'm sorry, it's blanking. Maybe Martinez. Martinez. Maybe he leaves Villa and Villa needs a new keeper. I could see Matt Turner playing for for teams like that. And I just want him to be getting regular minutes at his age. I don't know. Do you guys agree? Do you think he needs to stay another year at Arsenal? No, I, I think he should, he should go. No, I go just ahead, think then. he should go whether whether on loan or a transfer because, like you said, I, I would like to see him playing weekly. And, you know, they they suffer a crazy upset in uh, the League Cup, the first round of the League Cup. Anything can happen. And there goes his League Cup minutes, and they get a really tough – uh, draw in the FA Cup. They have to go to City because stuff like that does happen, and they're out in the first round of the FA Cup as well. Well, there's his season. Yeah, uh, I actually disagree with both of you. <laughs> okay, I would actually, I would actually want him to stay one more season in Arsenal because I saw a lot of evolution in his game in terms of confidence with his feet. Because here's the thing: it's like you said, he's never going to be Ederson. It's just not going to happen. Uh, too late in the stage of development. And I mean, not many goalkeepers have the technique Edison has regardless, but playing with your feet right there, playing out of the back and, and being good on the ball, a lot of it is also confidence. And with Arsenal, he's probably forced to do so in, in, in training and he's just getting more and more confidence on it. And you see that in the games. I agree entirely with you in that. But when you talk about playing time, he didn't really play at all this season when you look at it. He played four Europa League games in two FA Cup games. Didn't really play in the League Cup. I, I'm not sure why. I think Daniel just said they got eliminated early, I guess, from the, the League Cup. So he played six games this season. I don't know if he's going to play any much more in the Europa League now that they're going deep. I think knockout rounds, depending on how it goes, they might just go Ramsdale. Uh, they played him enough. He played six games. It doesn't really matter that much. So Champions League or not, Europa League or not, He'll get games in the FA Cup. He'll get games in the League Cup. So I don't see much of a difference of him getting eight games a season and getting five, four games. I think it's the same thing. And then after one more season with Arteta, I think it's time for him to move. Plus, I'm looking at it from a U.S. men's national team perspective. We're going to be two years away from the World Cup. So then he can find a club and play and be sharp. Uh, but as of now, I would like for him to get a second season with Arsenal because of the progress I saw with him with his feet, I think he can improve one more notch, a little bit more, a little bit more than he has, and then go play. Because we only need him sharp three years from now, not next year. Well, we need him sharp for Copa America for sure. I guess the way I see it is training. Well, we is need good. a coach. That too. Training is good, but there's a point of diminishing returns if you're not getting competitive minutes. And I think he's at an A. I mean, we all saw what two years at City did to Zach Steffen. And whether or not that's all on Man City or how much of those other issues going on with Steffen, I'm just concerned that two years of riding pine, and he'll ride even more, more pine next year because he's not going to get those Champions League minutes. So it's just going to be a downgrade for him in terms of, of minutes. And I know, okay, he got six. I think they will give him some Europa League. I guess time will tell if he gets the rest yeah. of the Europa League games. Um but I do think that year two, there's diminishing returns. Like what you learn in training at his age, at the stage that he's at, I think 29 years old is time to go. So I'm going to hold firm to that one. 
Time will tell about all of that, right? We'll see if he stays or not with Arsenal. I don't know if they're going to be willing to sell him also because – well, like they could said, do a loan with an option to buy at the end of the year, right? So are they going to want that? Because you just said it. They have the Champions League. They're going to want a reliable backup, right? Yeah, but uh, reliable backup are a dime a dozen. Like reliable backup goalkeepers are a dime a dozen. And there are some goalkeepers that are fine being backups and collecting their check, and they're generally reliable. I don't think Matt Romero. Actually, Remember Romero? Yeah, Romero from Man United. I don't think Turner's that kind of guy. I think Turner is driven, and I think he's hungry. And I think another year at Arsenal might not be the best thing for him. I just yeah, don't. they can sign Zach Steffen. No, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. Well, that was good. I mean, there's obviously more players, but we'll cut it off here at 50 minutes. I, yeah. I just have one quick question for you guys, real quick. The Leeds boys, very quickly, very quickly. Yeah. It'll take one minute. I don't want to expand much on it. Uh, each one of you, just give me your take on this. If Leeds is relegated, do all three have to leave? If Leeds doesn't get relegated, who stays? Everyone, just quickly, just go Daniel, then Pete. All right. Uh, if they get relegated, Adams and Weston leave. Brendan stays. Um, if if they stay up, I mean, I, I could see all three staying, especially depending on what their new manager does in the transfer window. Mm-hmm. Pete? Yeah, I'm pretty much with Daniel on that. Um, if they get relegated, Adams and Weston leave. If they don't get relegated, I think Weston might still go somewhere. I think Weston thought this would be a fun six months to go play under Jesse and play with his American buddies. And maybe maybe he's fallen in love with the club and he'll want to stay, but I think he might be looking for a better team somewhere. Um, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, for me, just one thing. The, the getting relegated, Brendan for sure stay, play in the championship, help develop. Tyler, leave. But find an ideal situation. If it's not the ideal situation, somewhere you're going to be a backup or a team worse than Leeds that will also get relegated, just stay with Leeds and work to get back. So Tyler has to just be smart about that. Weston is definitely going to leave if they get relegated because Leeds is not going to pay the fee. But that's all I had to say. You can take it from here. All right, guys, go give Daniel Smith a follow on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, it is at DanielSmith1022. Thanks, as always, for uh, rating and giving us reviews on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, which you can do. It helps other people to find the Tactical Yanks podcast, podcast so we appreciate it. Any last thoughts, Daniel? Uh, no, I just want to say um, I rewatched the Celta Vigo match, and Luca was involved in all three goals. And uh, you have to go back and watch, but by just keeping the play moving and connecting connecting passes and helping his teammates shine. And, um, yeah, I just want to say he's doing really well. But That's someone's awesome. going to bring up that he got no assists, so he must suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all – it's yeah, no assists, so he had a bad game. Luca yeah. has been one of the brighter stories since the World Cup. It's been a bit of a dark time for USMNT fans. Luca has been the one of the exceptions to that. Him and Taylor Booth, I think, have been the two most exciting couple of months. Yeah, and uh, he's keeping a guy with a hundred La Liga appearances on the bench and won the Portuguese league with Benfica on the bench. So that's that's no small feat either. So awesome. All right, guys. Well, as always, we'll see you next week. Have a great one.